Everybody doing? If you're better, good. So, you know, one of the things I believe the Lord's doing now in the earth is He's promoting people. You know, and I really want to encourage you. It's a time where you can, you know, we talk about the Lord being lifted up. But how is he lifted up in the earth? He's lifted up by his people. And so the Lord wants to lift people up right now. And he wants to lift, I think I might have shared this before, right? Maybe I did, but you didn't hear it. Because, you know, because I'm not seeing you lit. But this is the thing. When he lit, he's looking for people he can lift up. In other words, he's looking for people he can entrust the wealth that he has, that we won't take it upon ourselves. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, the, for the Lord to, to bring, lift you up, you have to be trustworthy. And the way you become trustworthy in the Lord is He, he takes you, you know, through tr- different trials and testing, different seasons of being sifted. You know what I'm talking about? We wish we didn't, but we do. You know, you will be sifted and tried. Your faith will be tried. And I know many people in this room has faith has been tried about as much as it can be. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord is saying it was for a purpose. And you look at the life of Peter, what you see is you see a man who had a tremendous calling. He had destiny spoken to his life over and over by the Lord. Okay? and But, it, but at the end of the day, he had to be sifted, okay? He had to go through something. And what it was, it broke all of that natural uh, strength, that natural stuff that he carried that he was going to do. It broke that off in him where he was trusting the Lord and allowing God to use him the way God had pronounced over his life. And that's not an easy process. But I feel the Lord, a couple of things. One is there's people who've been burnt. How many people know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was smelling something like, uh, you know how a fire just gone out, that smell, that burnt smell, and I was like, Lord, is that positive or negative? Well, it depends on us, is what he's saying. It depends on you if it's positive or negative. If you've been burnt, it's up to you now, okay? You can be a burnt stone. That's what Nehemiah, he took burnt stones and rebuilt the wall around, around Jerusalem with burnt stones because those stones were were very capable stones. And that's what the Lord's saying about you. But you know, may not feel that way. You may feel burned and I can never trust again or I'll never step out again. And all of that stuff, I'm here to tell you this morning, is not the way the kingdom will work in your life. You have to be willing to be to step out again and allow yourself, allow the Lord to lift you up because He really does want to promote you. And there's a supernatural hope that God is releasing uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, this hope is something that, that we need to, just to, to live on this earth. People die who lose hope, right? That's why people commit suicide. They lose hope. They have no hope, so they kill themselves. They think they didn't have it. But, so, you know, faith, hope, and love is the things that abide, the three things that abide. And, of course, love is the greatest. But without hope, there's no faith, okay? And without faith, uh, love can't work because love works through faith, right? Or faith works through love. So it takes all three of those, okay? That's why they all abide. It takes three, all three of those to work in your life. And so what I've experienced recently is a supernatural hope. Uh, you know, Galatians 2.20 says the faith of the Son of God. You know what it means? I think we've all, or I hope you all have experienced a time where you had faith, Okay, and you knew that that was a faith that was supernatural. It wasn't just the gift of faith. It was a faith that worked. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I see a hope. I've never experienced this before. I've got, a, I got this hope in me that I know is not my hope. It's, it's the Lord's hope. And it's, it's a powerful hope because His hope works. It really does. And it will bring you out of where you've been. And the Lord, you know, for a year was speaking to me about this. the church needs hope. The church needs hope. And, uh, and I wasn't really getting it like, well, God, of course the church needs hope. But this is the hope that he has. It's supernatural. Okay? And when you get that supernatural hope, you know, it anchors us into the realm of the Spirit. Okay? And it enables us to really come into a place of faith. Okay, and begin to see the move of God in our life. How many people would like to have that hope this morning? Just, let's just take a moment, and if you'd like to stand up, and I'll pray for you. You know, the more you, uh, whatever God gives you, give it away. Okay, if if He'll let you. Some things He may want you to keep between Him and Him, 
Here's how you give, it, give those away. You just pray them back to them if it's just a personal. Just got back from the Holy Ghost Girls weekend, and um, real mother in the Lord, Louise, shared with us. She's 80 years old, and the word she had for us is the Lord is now putting a ring on the bride's hand, and it's the Hope Diamond. If you, The Hope Diamond's a famous diamond. So just receive that while you're at it, too, from a mother in the Lord. You just put it right on your hand for us to know that we're his bride, and she's full of hope, full of hope. So, Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. Put your finger up for the Lord to put that, put that hope diamond on it. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we, we say the hope diamond. There's only one real hope. We're talking about the real one. We're talking about the one that's in heaven that God has got. Lord, we just, we just put our hands out and say, stick it on there, Lord. Stick it on our hand right now, the hope diamond, that some just supernatural hope would come into these people's hearts right now, Lord. A hope that doesn't disappoint us or fail, Lord, no matter what happens. Lord, we call forth for hope today upon the people of God. We release it now in Jesus' name. We release it. Just let it come and settle in you, settle in your heart, settle in your mind. Lord, just break off disappointment right now and discouragement off in people. Hopelessness. If you've been contending for a healing or a miracle, the Lord wants to give you hope this morning for that healing and miracle so your faith can arise. Because without hope, there's no faith. Woo, just release that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's good. All the time. There you go. Okay, I'm going to be talking about praying again this morning. Kingdom praying. Amen. Let me read Acts three eighteen through twenty one, and um, mm, just and that's it says. Uh, but this is right in the middle of Peter's message. Uh, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of of all His prophets that the Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. That's a done deal. That Christ has suffered; He will not suffer anymore. Amen. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Change the way you think which will result in a change in direction in your life. That's how you truly know that you're changing the way you think. There's a change of direction in your life. That's what being converted means. You're changing, you're going one way, and now you're going another way. That's Repentance is changing the way you think. Conversion is changing the direction. Okay? That's what he's talking about for the believer and for the unbeliever. That your sins may be blotted out. That's the blood of Jesus cleansing your heart from an evil conscience. So your faith can work. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Don't you love that? Times of refreshing. See, we always thought about that more as a corporate thing. And that's an awesome thing. But God has personal times of refreshing for people who will change the way they think and go in a different direction. He will begin to send a refreshing to you, a renewal to your heart and renewal to your mind. You know, and it's a good, that's a good day, right? How many people have been experiencing that lately? Present refreshing that may come from what? The presence of the Lord. You see, that's what it's about. It's about the presence of the Lord. It's about God's presence being manifest in your life. The manifest presence of the Lord. That's what God wants for us. God wants to be with us. And He wants us to be with Him. And He wants us to know that. Not just a mental ascent that God's here. God's everywhere. God's in the worst place there is. In the most hellish moment. On earth, God is right there. But what we want to know is we want the manifest presence of God. The presence of God that you are tangibly aware of. That's the inheritance of every believer in Christ. Every believer can have that. Don't try to understand it. Just receive it. Because if you try to understand it, well, you've just blown it because you can't understand it. It's not understandable. But that's what the Father desires. The presence of the Lord is what really brings refreshing in your life. Nothing else will. You can drink a cup of cold water, and it's good for a few minutes, but then a few minutes later, it's gone. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before. You see, this is really what's happening. I see God going to people. The Lord is interested, okay? Let me just say this. If you look at the New Testament and look at many of the miracles that Jesus did for people, most of those miracles happened not because the Lord was intending to do them. They happened because people interrupted what he was doing and asked him. 
the very first miracle. He just was showing up at a wedding. He was not going there to do a miracle. And his mom came up and started edging him. Hey, we need wine. What does that have to do with me? We need wine. Do whatever he says. Most, most miracles, the guy who, the paralytic that was healed when he was preaching, he was interrupted in his preaching. Jairus' daughter, he was going to heal her. A woman walks up behind him and grabs him. And so I think what we need to begin to see that God, this is what God's doing. He, his, his primary mission is seeking and saving. See, that's what he's out to do. He's out to seek and save people. And as he's doing that, people are interrupting what he's doing and saying, heal me, Lord. And guess what, guess what he's doing? Okay, I'll heal you. He never turned a person down who came to him. Not one person. You will never find him turning one person down. But there were always an interruption. So I think anytime you know, God is moving, we can always interrupt what he's doing. But just remember, his mission was to seek and save that which is lost. And God is looking to save people. Not only, uh, he's looking to save Christians. There's a lot of Christians that need saving right now. There's a lot of Christians that have fallen into despair. They're messed up in their life. And he's coming. I, I see the Lord saying, this is what he's been telling me, I'm coming for those people. I'm coming to help them. And you know what he's saying? Listen, don't keep people to the curve. People who've messed up their lives are messed up. He's saying, don't keep them people to the curve because if you want to be around me, you can find me going after those people. I see the Lord doing that. I see him doing it with... Mm. We, I tell you, this is what's happening in our country. Our country is full of strife, okay, between races. White people don't trust black people. White people don't trust Hispanics, vice versa, okay? And the Lord really is not pleased with that. He wants to break that off of our nation. Okay, that's one of the reasons our nation operates under curses is because of all this racial divide. See, we've rejected people that God has not rejected. Okay? And see, what God is trying to tell the church, listen, don't reject. Just because somebody's messed up and failed, don't reject them. Don't, don't reject them because I want those people. I care about those people. And so I'm, I'm telling you, there's a harvest coming. There really is a harvest. And it's going to be, I, I'll tell you this, I've seen this. I've seen this really powerfully. There's a move of God that's coming, and it's going to be made up of people who have failed, have utterly failed and have utterly been rejected. I've seen it. I've seen, I've been in a dream and seen people like, what in the world was God moving with these people before? And they were, I knew a lot of them, and they were all people who'd messed up. And to, and, but God was there with them because God is seeking those people. You see, we've got to get to know that heart. You see what I'm saying? We need to get, and, and it's a mess. It's a mess. Right? It's messy. The kingdom is messy. It is going to be messy. Get over it. If you want to be where God is, look in the New Testament. He was around a mess all the time. People were messing up. His disciples were messing up. People were trying to start fights. The people were trying to kill him. He was always around that stuff. Didn't bother him. He was on a mission. And I think we have to sort of get our minds around that. So he's coming. Jesus is coming to... He's, Father's sending Jesus to people. These people in the Arab countries they are having dreams about Jesus. This is widely reported now, not just in Pentecostal and Spirit-filled circles. This is being reported in people who don't even believe in such thing. The evangelical conservative church who have people in those countries, they're now saying, there's people getting saved over here because they're having dreams about this man coming, and then they're watching this Jesus film and saying, that was the man. That was the man. I... So what we got to see is, is God going after these people. There's a move of God going on in the earth. All over the earth, God is moving. There's an expansion of the kingdom happening. Lots of times it is like the leaven and bread. It's not something you outwardly see, but it's happening. So thank you, Lord, for that. And then, then it says this in verse 21, Whom heaven must receive, listen, until the times of restoration of all. All things. In other words, heaven will not release Jesus until the restoration of all things. Now, what that restoration of all things means is talking about the foundations of the kingdom of heaven being established in the earth. Okay? Now, that's really what God's interested in. Now, isn't it interesting in the church 
There's people who are dying for Christ to return. Won't, you know, they want Jesus to return. Well, who doesn't want Jesus? There's a scripture that talks about hastening the day of the Lord. Well, the Lord's not going to come back until the kingdom is established in all the earth spiritually. I'm not saying it's going to be manifested in terms of His ruling the earth. That won't happen until the second return of Christ. But I am saying this. Spiritually, our job is to release the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Even into creation. And Christ will not... It says, it says this. Whom heaven must receive into the times of restoration of all, all, all things. That means the thing, it says, which God has spoken by the mouth of His prophets, what? Since the world began, every intention that God had in the garden, He said, Christ will not come back until these things are at least spiritually restored in the earth. That's powerful. So what we need to do is shift our mindset from wanting Jesus to come back and rescue a pitiful, whimpering self until saying God has called us to something. God has put us on this earth for something. He's called us to be a partaker of the restoration of all things because Christ cannot return because the Scripture says it. And the Scripture can't be broken. Are y'all following this? So, Ephesians 1.10 says it like this, all things summed up in Christ, things on earth and things in heaven. When that happens, Christ will, be, will return the second time and rule and reign on the earth. In the meantime, He's appointed a people. He's anointed a people. He's called forth a people. And guess who those people are? If you're a born-again person, you're, you're a, one of those people. Okay, so that's why I believe the Sermon on the Mount is important. I just said all that just to tell you because the Sermon on the Mount gives us the plan of Jesus for us to get this kingdom working in the earth, to get it, the kingdom to come. And so... It says, as one of the things, there's many things, like I said, 118 verses, 20% of those center on prayer. So prayer for us is important. Prayer is the way we're going to bring the restoration of all things. That's how we begin with it, is through prayer. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was trying to decide which is the most popular prayer there is on earth. The Lord's Prayer or help. <laughs> which one do I pray the most, Lord? Because I have thrown up some help prayers a bunch. Lord, please help. I'm in so much trouble. Sometimes that's all you can do. You can't think of a... You can't think of anything else except help. The Lord loves help, you know. He loves it when people really cry out from their heart help because it says the Lord, what does it say in Job? The Lord hears the cry of the wounded and does not despise it. He hears that when the hurting people cry out to a God they may not even really know. He does not despise it. It endears him. He hears that. It draws him. It pulls on his heart. So if you were hurting this morning, you're even in better shape if you know the Lord. Well, okay, so first of all, I'm going to tell you some stuff you already know. Anyways, the prayer is about relationship, okay? That's the main purpose of prayer is, is relationship because everything in the kingdom of God works on relationships. That's why it says our Father. Father speaks of relationship. It speaks of family. It speaks of connection. It speaks of community, okay? And so uh, John 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I think righteousness is really important for believers for our mental health, our emotional health. It really is our physical health, our spiritual health. Uh, Jesus, this is what Jesus said in, in, uh, on the, one of the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed, happy, to be congratulated is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. 
He said, that's a happy state for you to be in. That's a glorious state for you to be in. The word righteous actually is a legal term, meaning to position oneself rightly. To position oneself rightly. Jesus came to make us righteous. In fact, Christ is our righteousness. That's why it's a happy state when we hunger for it. We're hungering for this person. And it sets us, and He has set us in right relationship with the Father, with, the, with Himself, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. We are in right relationship because of Christ. And I think that's a, a state that we had to continue to, to realize. Um, so uh, righteousness, that's why it says seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Righteousness is all about relationship. That's what it's really about. It's about your relationship with the Lord. It's about an unhindered relationship, a total access relationship, an open heaven relationship. And so we have to begin to believe that about righteousness, that righteousness, the righteousness of Christ has set us in a proper relationship with the Father, where we have total access to the Father, total access to the throne. Okay, that's why the blood is so important, because your heart, sometimes, Hebrews said, I think it's Hebrews 6, there's an evil conscience that will get on your heart. And it says the blood, and it says if it does, when your heart, there's evil conscience on your heart, it causes your faith to drop. When your faith drops, you can't, you can't connect with the Father. So the blood cleanses you, not your heart. It cleanses your heart from the evil conscience. It washes it. And when your conscience is clear, you can access. The blood is the thing that cleanses your conscience. Y'all got that? So anytime you feel like you're not connecting, get that evil conscience. The evil conscience might just be a lying spirit that's attaching itself to you, telling you that God does not accept you, that you're a bad person, and reminding you of all the terrible things. So, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Did you catch it? This is, what, this is, the, this is Jesus' definition of eternal life. Is a relationship to know the Father and know the Son. That's what he says. This is, how, this is what it's all about. This is about what your, your life is all about. It's knowing this person and being in relationship with this person. Am I preaching to the choir? I hope I am preaching to the choir. I hope I'm preaching to people who say, this is important to me. This is what I'm here for. I'm here for a relationship. I'm here to know the Father. I'm here to know this. I'm here to be known. I'm here to open up my life and let Him know me. It's not that we know God, rather God knows us. But we have to allow God to know us. Of course He knows everything. But He doesn't force Himself into our lives. Of course He knows every inch of you. How many hairs Dean has on his face is easy. And it's, it's just the way it is. For me, it's my head. But He wants you to open your heart to Him so He can know you because you're saying I I want this communion I want something with you I want this intimacy sorry men men kind of get nervous about intimacy but that's what it really is I want I want this intimacy with me and you and it's on our part so remember when we talk about eternal life we're not talking about just living in heaven forever we're talking about knowing we're talking about relationship and I believe we will spend eternity knowing, getting to know this God who has no beginning and no end. That's what eternity really is, is getting to know Him. And we are doing it now. We've begun now. How much more face-to-face, the Bible says. Okay, John five nineteen and 20. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself. But what he sees the Father do. We've talked about this so many times. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater work than than these that you may marvel. So I think it's important, you know, that we reconcile this verse because many of us are living our lives on this verse. Many of us have position everything on these verses here we are saying jesus only did what he saw the father doing therefore we we have decided that i hope you've decided that with your life i've made a decision i'm not going to just do anything 
every need that comes my way, I'm just not going to meet those unless I know something. Every good thing that comes my way, every door that's open, Paul the Apostle had doors open to him. He said, the Lord opened them, but I wouldn't go through them because he was a man who lived by what the Father was doing. So we had to reconcile this. We had to bring it down because people get aggravated with you if you say, well, I'm not doing this because I don't see the Father doing it. And they want to know, what the heck? How does that work out in your life? You can't just sit around and do nothing. I agree. It's through a relationship. That's what this is, that's what this is talking about because it says the Father loves the Son. For the, for the beautiful people, love is a not the John 3.16 love. It's not the agape love that God's totally gave his life for the world. It's the other kind of love. It's the phileo love. It's the friendship love. Jesus was saying the Father and I are close. We have a relationship. And the Father talks to me. He communicates to me based on a friendship that we've developed. And so he begins to show me, see, that's what this is, this relationship. God wants to talk to people. That's what he is. I want to reveal my heart to people. So guess what they can do? They can begin to pray it into existence. That they hear from heaven because there, there's something going on between me and heaven. It's not just some kind of spiritual gift as awesome as that is. Right? But it's a relationship where then you begin, oh, this is how prayer really works. God begins to tell me the desires of his heart. And I begin to catch the things that he was looking for and he's feeling them, his compassion, all those things that God feels, he begins to let us feel it and then we begin to respond. And I think the first response many times is through the prayer. That's what your kingdom come is. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's tapping into the heart of the Father like Jesus did. Are you okay? So, number one, I got three things I wrote down here. I'm doing great. I'm going to finish quick. <laughs> Prayer is first and foremost all about a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think if we just keep that in mind, we won't be so stupid and weary about praying. You know, and weirded out and don't want to pray, can't stand to pray, I don't have anything to say. You know, when you just forget all that and, and make it relationship, things can begin to work in your life. Second is prayer. Second objective is a means of helping the Father get something for himself. Your kingdom come. That's what he wants. He wants the restoration of all things. That's what the Father's looking for. So we're saying to God, we're going we're to cooperate with seeing the restoration of all things. We're going to cooperate with seeing the kingdom come on the earth. We're, we're going to give ourselves to that and not all the other stuff that we could give ourselves to. That's what we're going to do. We, you've got to make the decision. That's what the kingdom is about. That's what the Christian life is about. Make the decision. This is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to have a relationship. And out of that relationship, I'm going to begin to hear the heartbeat of the Lord. And I'm going to begin to, to respond to that. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to pray. Your kingdom come, Lord. Here's what I'm feeling I should be doing. I'm, then I'm going to act on that. It's not, see, that's how it works. Then you start moving with God, and God starts moving with you. But if all we're doing is other stuff, then it's going to be not a fruitful life. I'll tell you that. Number three, prayer is one of the Father's way, one of the Father's way of allowing His children to participate with Him in His business. It's what Jesus said, right? Didn't you know I had to be about my Father's business? Think about it. Twelve-year-old kid saying that. As a kid saying it, not as, not as the kid that, who was the God. It was the kid, it was a human part of him saying that. And the, that was the initiation into his being apprenticed. Jesus was apprenticed by God the Father for 18 years. 18 years he was apprenticed. He didn't say nothing else. He didn't talk about anything else. He just allowed God the Father to teach him how to live his life and work in his business. So when he broke out preaching that day, he spent, it wasn't just some magical thing that fell out of the sky on him. He had been apprenticing. He had been developing a relationship with the Father and hearing the Father and indulging himself with the Father's thoughts and 
That's what he was doing that day when he was talking to all those people. He was trying to find out, hey, what's, what do these people know? Because they, they were amazed at his understanding, it says. It's in Luke 2. So this is a, a fascinating thing. You'd have thought right then he could have jumped up and started healing people. But he didn't. He didn't. As far as we know, he didn't heal a soul. And I know there are stories out there that claim he did, and maybe he did, but it's not in the Bible, so you can't really go on it when everything's said and done. You know, at the end of the day, you got the Bible that says this is what happened, and that's how, what you have to trust. One of the things is, is when Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done, guess what? The kingdom had already come because it was standing right there in front of them. When they said, how do we pray? Pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. It, it was already there. But here's the key, like Peter said, but it ain't everywhere. It may be there with you, Jesus. And Jesus was saying, y'all need to get it in you. And then, they, then he did say, you got it. He said it later. For indeed, Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. But that doesn't disqualify the prayer because the kingdom of God is not released everywhere. How many unsaved people are there? How many dark places in the world are there that God wants to... If, if it was everywhere, we wouldn't be here. We would already be in heaven because there, everything would be restored like Peter said. Are y'all following that? Okay, so what we had to do is we had to engage ourselves with the kingdom and praying the kingdom in and releasing the kingdom. The kingdom's in you. That's what Jesus said. It's already in every one of you if you know Christ. What your job is now is to get that kingdom in you, get it out where you're at. Get it released where you're at. Find out what's in his heart where you're at and begin to release it there. I love this Mark 9 one. Because this, is, this is, describes that. And he said to them, <clears throat> I surely, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they seem to see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, you, this tells you a couple things. Number one, the kingdom of God is present in all of us, but it's not always present with power. It may be present with power inside of you. But Jesus was declaring something here. There's a manifestation of the kingdom that he's looking for. And really, when I think, when I hear your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, Lord, my children, their jobs, let the kingdom of God come in power on their job, be present with power on their jobs. Oh, my grandchildren, they're in school over there. You know, let the kingdom of God be present with power. I promise you, you would pray that prayer if you found out the school was on lockdown, somebody was in there. Why wait? Pray it always so they'll always be protected. The power of God will always be on them. I mean, I don't tend to think that way, think something bad thing's going to happen. I'm thinking in a positive way. Kingdom of God be present in power. That means favor. That means mercy. That means grace. That means peace. That means increase. That means promotion. I'm praying that if you're over your job, you're promoted, you've got more money coming in, your bank account. I've said this. God wants to touch people's banks, bank accounts. The kingdom of God being present in your bank account. The kingdom of God paying your mortgage off. I know that sounds kind of Pentecostal or way out there, but that is what happens when the kingdom comes present with power. We should be praying that into our situations. We could be religious and say, no, we're not going to do that. You know, but be religious and don't get yours paid off. I'm going for broke on this deal. Whatever God will do, do it, Lord. If there's a possibility in heaven that I could be debt free, then let's do it. Let's jump in there and get that thing out of heaven into ourselves, into our lives. That's the way I think. So, what God wants, part of the kingdom prayer is decreeing. Okay? Listen, it's a prayer we need to learn. Because it's not just us randomly praying. It's decreeing what he's saying. It's like I say, it goes back to the relationship. You're leaning on the beloved. You're hearing his heart. And you're hearing him say, I want to start a revival in Mooresville. You can stand up and say, God wants to start a revival in Mooresville. You've decreed something. You've released heaven. Because that's how heaven's released. It's through your words. Jesus said that, right? That's what he said in Matthew 16. 
I think I told you all my story about my keys that time, didn't I? Let me tell you that to you again. Well, well, you know how you are with your car keys. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. That's what Jesus said. Well, you know, sometimes you get home in the afternoon from work or for wherever, and you're all busy. You got 500 things on your mind. Becky's in there. She called you 20 minutes ago and said, supper's ready. So you know you're doomed <laughs> for getting there 20 minutes late. You know, you're just done. She's mad. She's already ate. You know, put her hang up. Your food's in the refrigerator cold. You had a rough day. You got stuff. You got your Apple stuff. You just so happened that day you brought your laptop, your iPad, you got your phone, you got some papers. You're getting out of the car, you pull your keys out, and you're grabbing your stuff, and you put your keys in your house. Anybody ever done that? And you walk up to the door, and the door's locked, and Becky's mad because she's not coming to the door. She knows it's you. Let him unlock the door himself. He should have been here 20 minutes ago. I slaved over this meal for 30 minutes. So I'm up here watching the, the voice now. The heck with him. I'm not being disturbed. <laughs> That's Becky, I'm telling you. She's a great wife, though. So you're out there on the porch, and the door's locked, and you've got your hands full, so you set your stuff down. And you're looking everywhere with your keys. <laughs> Thinking, where's the keys? Then you realize they're in your mouth. They're in your mouth. And see, that's where it is. The keys to the kingdom are in your mouth. That's what he told me one day. It actually happened to me. Suddenly I get this revelation like, oh, it's what you say really does matter. But it's what you're hearing him say. It's getting on his, that's why... Lots of times we go through these burning times, these trying times. So we'll come up, the Bible says, out of the wilderness, out of the hard time with our head on his chest. Because we're whipped. And we're barely walking. But we feel something on this person. We feel something. So we feel safe there. That's the only safe place there is. Is him embracing us. And then we begin to hear, start hearing things. And we can begin to start acting on those things. Listen, this is the Holy Spirit's commission for the church. We have to learn this, uh, Revelations twenty two seventeen. Listen to this. And the Spirit, and who? The bride. Say what? Come. Say come. And let him who hears, hey, they're really starting to share some stuff now. See, that's what's going to happen when the bride begins to speak with the Holy Spirit. The world's going to hear it. And they're going to say, yeah, come on. They're going to start agreeing. They're, and they're going to, when they say come, guess what's going to happen? The Lord is going to jump out because he's looking for them. He said, give me a crack, I'm in. Just crack the door, I will knock it down. You see, but we've got to get where we're, we can say, the Holy Spirit saying, come. We can say, come with him. And that's the key. That's the keys of the kingdom right there. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. See, that's what the end time looks like. And that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to impart to us to become Christians that are kingdom. Kingdom Christians. Christians who live and who have made the kingdom of heaven their priority. Because... If you make the kingdom of heaven your priority, seeking that first, you're automatically seeking the king of this kingdom. All right, let me give you one more scripture, okay? Are y'all for one more? This is the oldest book in the Bible. And they actually told this. Uh, Job 22, I mean, we quote Job 22, 28 a lot, which I think is a good quote, right? But this, is, this just tells you the whole story. I'm going to read it starting at 21. And of course, this was some advice given some of it was good, some of it was bad. This is good advice. Listen, this is how it all starts. Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Isn't that wonderful? Get to know him. That's the beginning. See, we want to jump down the 28. We'll get there in a minute, the decree. We want to jump down there and start decreeing. I'm decreeing, I'm decreeing. And we, but we never, we didn't do this acquaint thing. We didn't do this relationship thing. So sometimes he's saying come, sometimes he's saying go. 
And we're saying, come on, come on. And Jesus said, no, uh-uh, go, go, go. You're saying the wrong thing. It ain't going to work because you're not hearing me. You got that? And so we have to learn. Sometimes come, come, sometimes go, sometimes stay, sometimes get up, sometimes sit down, sometimes shut up, sometimes speak. And the only way we're going to know that is that we're close and we're catching him. And he has said, he's promised us, you can hear me. I'll make sure you hear. I'll make sure. He's taking responsibility for that part. All our part is is to let him in, let him entrust. So, now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby, good will come to you. I'm in for that, right? I'm in for good. Come on. So, when we begin to draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to us. There's a relationship that will start happening. God will begin to bless your life. And he will lift you up. Because he, when he's lifting you up, he's lifting himself up. Okay? That's why he wants to lift you up. It ain't just to make you look good. Because he, he's in there and he wants to be lifted up. So he just says, oh yeah, but by the way, there's so much good that can come in your life just because you're hanging out with me, just because you're with me, just because you're connected to me. Good can come. Good can happen if you'll let it. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth. And lay up his words in your heart. See, this is just tell, telling you this is the way it works. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. The Almighty doesn't tear anybody down. He always builds up. He always encourages. He wants to help. He has a helping heart. If, uh, you will remove the iniquity far from your tents. In other words, you're not going to put up a bunch of foolishness in your house. And that foolishness is coming to an end. I'm not going to have television shows on that are bad and doing, saying bad stuff in my house. How many people believe that? So your atmosphere in your house is important. And if you let things be spoken in your house that are nasty or vile in the Lord's eyes, it's going to mess with the atmosphere. We, we you know, the other day me and uh, Marlon and, and Luis went over and prayed for Steve Lappin at his house. And they, he took us upstairs in a room because ch- Janice takes care of little children. They took us upstairs in this room. It was a nice room. Had a had a big screen TV in it. It had Bibles in it. Had a sewing machine and an ironing board and a couple of nice seats. And it was just a nice room. But let me tell you something. What was in that room? The presence of the Lord was resting in that room. Marlon mentioned it at the end, and he said, "Oh, this is where we soak. This is where we pray." You know, and so you can go to that prayer room back there. If you go back there and get still, you'll feel this residue of the Lord because there's been prayer. And see, in your house, in your house, God wants to be in present in your house. So when people walk in there, like, there's peace in here. There's, there's something in here. There's, there's angelic beings hanging around this house. You know, and so I really want to encourage you, you know, about what goes on in your house. That's what they were saying here. Let's just don't have this bad stuff going on here. You know, they don't feel guilty if you do. I'm not saying guilt. I'm saying conviction, though. What do you want more? Do you want to have to watch something that might tickle your flesh, or would you rather have the presence of the Lord resting in your house? And so when people walk in there, immediately they're being ministered to, and some of them may not even know. Now, the spiritually sensitive will catch it, catch it and like it, and eventually they'll say, yeah, this is nice. I'm liking what's happening here. This is really good. Then you will lay your gold in the dust. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lay your gold. You're fixing to lay some, some stuff down that, you know, gold is sort of your precious stuff, right? It can be literal. And the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brook. That was some high-level gold, that Ophir or Ophir. Or how you, I have no clue how you say that. However you say that, he was trying to tell us, this is some very good gold here. Okay, but you're going to lay it all down. You're going to throw that in the water. You're going to throw that in the water. Just toss it. Suddenly, what meant something to you that was important to you, that you highly valued, doesn't have that much value to you no more. Something else does. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. The Almighty. The Almighty. No, he didn't say God. He said the Almighty. Everybody say the Almighty. The Almighty wants to be your gold and precious silver. That's how you get your, can, your bank account. I don't have enough gold to pay my mortgage off. Okay? 
Sometimes I don't think I have enough gold. Well, I'm wondering if I'm going to, you know, there's more month than there's more gold. Than gold or what, you know what I'm saying. But the Almighty, when He becomes your gold, that's what He wants to be. He wants to be the most precious thing to you. That doesn't mean He won't give you natural gold, but that means nothing to you. That's not the important thing. He's the important thing. Yeah, I mean, this is amazing to me. And this was the first book written in the Bible. This is the oldest book there is. This was written before Genesis was written. Moses wrote this before he wrote Genesis. Wrote this story because he wanted us to know about this. This is how God, he's the most ancient person. And the way he operates from ancient times unto this day. Anyways, for then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. In other words, there's going to be this relationship face to face. God will speak to you. You, listen, now we're getting into this. You will make your prayer to him and he will hear you. Meaning he's going to answer you. And you will pay your vows. Jesus has taken care of that for us. Okay? We don't have to do that. There's no vows to pay. All we're going to do is live in a covenant relationship with him. Because that's what a vow is. We don't have to pay the vows. He's paid it. All we've got to do is live in that covenant relationship with him. And that's why I think divorce is such a, I could have said a cuss word just then. It's a bad thing. Divorce is. Because it's a breaking of covenant. And God says he hates that. Doesn't hate the people, but he hates it because of the hurt that it brings in the earth. And that's why you see the racial tension in America. Because there's been a divorce, there's been a breaking because people, based on people's skin color. God doesn't like that. Because God's made a covenant with all men. They're all part of his family. Y'all got really quiet on me just then. Don't feel guilty if you've been in a divorce. I'm not saying I'm just saying this is how he feels about it. And that's why we should do everything we can to try to fight for marriages. We really should. Because God hates divorce. So we should not be saying it's okay to get a divorce until we realize there's no hope. In fact, they're bringing more damage. We've got to get this thing, you know. But if we had the kingdom of God coming, we wouldn't really be having to be messing with all that. All righty, I'm in trouble with some people in this room right now. I feel that. I feel you're glaring at me. But I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not responsible for the, you know, y'all responsible. I'm, you know, we're all responsible. I'm responsible for keeping my covenant with Becky. Okay? I made a marital covenant with her. I'm responsible for keeping that. God holds me accountable for that. And so when I stand before him, he's going to be asking me about that. So we all will give account to the Lord in the end. Anyways, here's the end for today. Verse 28. This is what I've been trying to get us to. Got sidetracked on marriage. That's not a sidetrack. That's a big deal. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Now just remember, it started back in verse 21 where it says, get a relationship with him. Get a relationship with him. And the end of this is light, revelation, God's face, things happening, what you're saying will begin to happen. When we, if you love healing, Healing. If you love miracles, miracles, because you can begin to speak those things. If you love justice, you can speak justice. If you love mercy, you can speak mercy. Whatever it is that when you were with the Father, touching His breast with your head there, in that moment, you felt something. You act on it, you speak it. That's what it all comes down to. And His will is done in the earth. And then, you see, when the church begins to rise up and do that, what Peter was saying, the restoration of all things, when I read to you at the beginning, that's how the things are going to be restored to the earth. The things from the very beginning is through the people of God, the Spirit and the bride saying, Come. And the earth will begin to cry out, Come. The earth will say, Come, Lord. They might even know what they're saying. The trees will cry out. 
The oceans will roar and cry out. I mean, it will happen. We will, we will be in unison with heaven. The whole earth will be in unison whether they realize it or not. And God, Jesus Christ, will come. He will come back a second time when all that happens and he will establish his rule on the earth. And then all nations will go to Israel, to Judea. That's why we pray for that because he will be there. He said that. That's where I'm going to set up shop when I come back in Jerusalem. So if you don't even care about Israel, that's a good reason to pray for them because Jesus said he's setting up shop there. Okay, anyways, thank you, Lord. So I just wanted to say, you know, all this this morning because I want to encourage you in the Lord. I want to encourage you that God is moving in, and he wants to use you and I. He wants to elevate us. He wants us. He wants to speak through us. He wants us to, he wants nations healed. He wants human beings' lives captured from hell. He wants that. He desires that. He desires men to live in peace with each other. And men of different races and cultures work together to see heaven come to earth. I totally believe that. I totally bought into that. If you have a hole in your heart this morning, does anybody have a natural, like a heart murmur in here? Anybody got a heart murmur? Raise your hand. See, all right, there's one heart murmur. Anybody else? Two. Because what I saw, three, I saw this week, I saw a heart with a hole in it. That's what a heart murmur is. There's a hole in your heart, right? Yes? Somebody say yes. Yes, it is. Thank you, Palmer. Mm-hmm. It leaks. And it makes noise. Okay, now you stand up, the ones who have this natural heart murmur. Okay, let's stand up. We're going to pray for them that the Lord's going to heal their hearts. He's going to fix that hole in their hearts. Well, somebody, won't y'all come out here and we'll get the ministry team to pray for them? Okay, because that's one thing I know for sure the Lord showed me this week. And I was just wrestling with this thing all week. Like, what does that mean, Lord? Is it a real hole? Like a physical hole? Or is it spiritual? And so after days of praying about this, the Lord spoke to me. And this is what he said. He answered my question. Is it literal or is it spiritual? And his answer was, yes. That's what he said to me. Yes. Lord, we are here to declare over these beautiful people of yours that have a literal hole in their heart. They have a heart murmur. We are declaring that that heart murmur be healed today in the name of Jesus. Because, Lord, you showed there was a hole in somebody's heart. So let's reach your hands to them and say, heart murmur, be healed. Hole, be healed. Healing power come now and touch these hearts. No more heart murmur. Yeah, miraculous. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, be released. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo, yes, Jesus. Cross the healer. Amen? Cross the healer. Say cross the healer. Release that healing right now, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Now, while they're praying, I want to tell you the other thing. There's people in this room that got holes in your soul. Okay? That means, that means hurt. There's, you got holes in your soul. That means you've been wounded. You've been hurt. And God is interested in that hurt, that hole also. Because that's going to keep you from being able to really have everything that He wants you to have. So does anybody have a hole in their soul this morning? Raise your hand. Palmer has one. Come on, Ricky back there. Y'all come on up. Y'all come up here. If you've got a hole, you need that hole healed. Because you that hole causes, causes leakage. It causes noise spiritually. Okay? It causes a lot of noise spiritually in your life. You hear stuff. You can't. And it blocks out the, the mind of the Lord. So y'all come on up here. We're going to pray for those who have wounds in their soul this morning. Holes in their soul. God is interested in that. Because God is interested in you. We're just going to release God in the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and renovate you. Fix your soul right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we just declare, reach your hands towards these ones with holes in their soul and declare healing of the wounds and the hurts that they've suffered. Yeah, thank you, Lord. 
We just declare that healing right now in Jesus' name. Yeah. Heal, 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 Lord. Heal, heal, heal. Thank you, Lord. Just do the healing, Lord. Just do the healing. And I think we should say the white people, the white people should bless the black people this morning. And if you're a black person this morning, would you just let some white people love you and tell you you're important? And we're sorry that America has made such a mess and we're going to take responsibility for some of this foolishness. Lord, heal, heal races. Lord, heal the uh, problems our country's having with immigration and all those things. Lord, we ask you for wisdom from heaven over immigration. God is calling all races to himself. That's just what I heard this morning. Now, that's what, Louis, hey, come here, Louis, say that. We'll let I believe the Lord is calling all races to to himself. He, I heard that this morning. That's really in his heart. I believe that too. I say amen, Lord. Amen. So somebody come out here and pray for Luis, a white person, and really bless him, bless the Hispanic people. See, when we're praying for one of these, we're blessing a nation. We're blessing nations this morning. And saying, we're all in this together. We're going to be in this together. We're all part of a family. We're a part of a family. And I know, you know, white people have been hurt by other races. I know that. I'm not sticking my head in the ground. And Lord, heal you of any kind of racial wounds you may have inflicted on you by people of other races. I pray that God would heal you and set you free from any kind of bitterness or resentment or judgment. And begin to see people of all colors and cultures and socioeconomic state be able to see them all the same. Be them, see, them, see them all as children of God. See them all as people that God, that Christ died for and that Christ is going after. Christ is wanting to find those people and heal their lives. Lord, help us to see it like that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want y'all one last blast. Ray, lift your, put your hands up here. Reach your hands out and just release, release what's in you. Release what Jesus says, the kingdom's in you. Just say, I release the kingdom of God in me now. Say it with your words. Say it with your tongues. Just say it and let it be released into this atmosphere and released on these people this morning. Just say, I release the kingdom on you. Kingdom of God, come now and touch. And the one other thing I wanted to say, is anybody in here, raise your hand if you have chronic, chronic pain or chronic sickness, raise your hand. Any chronic people. All right, y'all come on up here. We're going to pray for the chronics. Because chronic's terrible. God is not interested in people be chronic sick. I don't care if you've been prayed for 73 times. This is... Make it your 74 if you're going to get the tipping point. All right, so we need ministry team. We got people with chronic pain and chronic sickness coming up. Let's pray for them and release, release the healing power of Jesus. Lord, we're interrupting whatever you're doing in heaven right now. We're just interrupting you. We're like the woman with the issue of blood. We're saying, whoa, hold on. You may be on to some other project, but I need a healing. I need a touch. I need this chronic disease fixed in me. Lord, we just declare that. We are interrupting heaven to get these healings released in Jesus' name. Woo, Lord, mercy, Jesus. Oh, release it, Lord. Release it, release it, release it, release it, release it. Don't be ashamed of being prayed for multiple times. There was one guy in the Bible Jesus prayed for two times. So that gives you legal right to get prayed for more than once. Thank you, Lord. Now release your healing this morning, Lord. 
Every person, every person, Lord, that's come up here, healing power flow. Flow like a river. Anointing flow. Anointing flow. Power of God. Kingdom of God be present with power right now. Right now in these bodies. Right now in these hearts. Right now in these minds. Kingdom of God present with power now. In Jesus' name. Just release it, Lord. Release it, release it, release it. Release it. Release your power, Lord. Release your healing, Lord. Woo, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're healing people right now. Thank you you're setting captives free. Thank you you're opening prison doors, Lord. Thank you you're healing broken hearts and hearts with holes in them, souls with holes in them. Thank you you're declaring the acceptable year of the Lord for your people. This now's a time of acceptance. And thank you, Lord, that you are breaking the power of the enemy over us right now in Jesus' name. Every curse, every lie of the enemy, Lord, every, we break the power of that over your people in Jesus' name. So, Lord, you know, bless, bless the congregation today. And we're going to just keep praying for people. If you want prayer, come up. The worship team is going to play and... We're just going to continue right here. God bless you.